Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. All that glitter and all that gold won't buy everything you've been bought and sold. Welcome to the new and improved Habs Unfiltered with Less Filter, hosted by Blaine Potvin, Matt Smith, and Treg Toxic Wilson. We provide you, our listeners, informative, honest discussion and entertainment about the Montreal Canadiens, hockey, and sometimes bad life advice. Stick around, we will be right back with a jam-packed and entertaining episode. And welcome there, uh, Habs fans, to another long-awaited episode of Habs Unfiltered. Uh, I'm hosting today, and my co-host is Matt Smith. Good afternoon. It's good to be back. Yes, yes. Uh, Blaine Pop Van. he has a little segment. He's going to come on at the end of the show he did while he was in quarantine. He is now sailing with the Ville de Quebec. Uh, we don't know where, we don't know why, but he's out there protecting the country, I guess. I guess we'll call it that. Yeah, he's, he's keeping the coast. He's keeping the coast safe. Yeah, from COVID-19. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, uh, so uh, we've been away for a while. Uh, there was no Tossic Tuesday. There was no show over the Easter weekend uh, due to work and personal reasons and all that kind of stuff. We did, we, we gave it a little bit of a break. Uh, plus, it was Easter and that. Uh, but Matt, uh, you're back to work, I guess. You're not working from home, so you're... Yeah, I'm working my normal schedule, so yeah. nothing's really changed for me. We just got less bodies to do more work. Yeah, and Blaine, he was quarantined in the Weston Hotel, which is one of the better hotels here in uh, in Halifax. Uh, you know, they spared no expense for our Navy and Air Force boys. Um, and I, I had some things going on with Easter and that, and and uh, I have a daughter with high anxiety that I had to deal with. So we, we decided not to have a, a show, and we didn't do that. So it's been a long-awaited uh, back for Habs Unfiltered. I want to thank the fans who are still uh, listening and listening to our old shows and stuff like that. And uh, we're going to get right into it. This show is going to be about defense, uh, not about what we should do with our defense, but about defensive players. We're going to talk a little bit about Markov and has announced his retirement, uh, Romanov, and uh, a few other things we're going to talk about. So we'll start it off. Uh, Matt, uh, Andre Markov announced his retirement uh well, today, I guess. And uh, what are your thoughts on uh, Andre Markov? Well, the way I'm going to look at it is he's one of the best offensive defensemen to come out of the Montreal Canadiens in in many years. 16-year um, career, 990 career games, uh, 572 points. It ranks right up there with some of the top Montreal Canadiens defensemen to ever play for the team. Um, you know, I can remember him... You know, feeding Sheldon Surrey when when Surrey was with the team, and 
you know, bomb after bomb after bomb. But he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have got all those goals if it, if it hadn't been for uh, for Marco setting them up. Um, right now, it's uh, I'm kind of I'm kind of um, I'm thinking like how how is he going to go down in Canadians history? Yes, he was a phenomenal player, um, but then there's a part of me that there's the negative side, and 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 in my opinion, it's the uh, it's the fan base that made made this very 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 negative, and it was his departure from the team. Um, he demonstrated that he only wanted to play for the Canadians, even though that he could have went and played elsewhere in the NHL. He decided yeah, I to walk Philadelphia away. was interested in him. Yeah, he decided to walk away from the for, to, from the NHL, go to the KHL. He's been there the last three seasons. Um, the thing that's going to kind of stick with me though is the fact that he never got to the thousand games, and that would have been a huge feat, especially to do it with one team. But um, I'm going to say it's not going to tarnish his legacy whatsoever in Montreal. He's still a very good player. Canadians fans still talk about him today. And um, I'll ask you this before I give my opinion on it. I, I have a feeling that he'll, he'll at least be in the ring of honor. But do you think his jersey will be retired by the team? Uh, no. No. And uh, but I have a my my theory on I don't think they should retire any more jerseys. Uh, uh, the Canadians shouldn't. Um, I read today a good point. Someone brought up that Toe Blake number number six has never been retired, and Toe Blake as a player back in the days when Montreal didn't have that great of a t- team uh, was pretty much the entire team. He had a playoffs there one time where he one of his Stanley Cups. He only won two where he had eighteen points in nine games to help Montreal win the Stanley Cup. Um, but having said that, I think Montreal right now has too many numbers retired. I think Montreal should go in a whole different direction when it comes to honoring players. The Ring of Honor, I think Markov should be a shoe-in. Uh, yep. But I think it's a modern-day Ring of Honor because uh, uh, if you look at Markov's stats, uh, the most points he ever got in the season was 64, and that was back in 08, 09. Yep. Um, he was never like he was a uh, offensive defenseman in terms of the style of the 2000s to now hockey. Uh, so he averaged around uh, 572 points in 990 games. He averaged around, I'm going to say he was a 40 to 45 point guy. 50, I'll say 45 to 50 point guy in yep. most of his seasons. Uh, even after he got hurt in 2009, 2010. 2009, 2010, yeah. Yeah, uh, he uh, and he played in the next two seasons. He only played twenty games total. He came back and he he had thirty points in forty eight games and forty three, fifty, forty four, and then his final year he had thirty six. Um, but Ring of Honor, I would say yes. Jersey number no. Uh, having said that, I think I'm a huge Koivu fan. Uh, I love Koivu. I don't think his number should be retired either. I just think Montreal has too many numbered. I mean. I don't think anyone else. I don't think Montreal should retire any more numbers. I think I think it's done. They've. I mean, everyone has to pick like number seventy-two and stuff like you know. It's just too. Personally, I think they should take the retired numbers and kind of have them only semi-retired. Like players can still wear them. Just I okay. don't know. I don't know. It's a weird situation in Montreal because they have yeah. so many numbers retired. Yeah, I'm kind of on the so. fence. I, 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 he's going to be in the the Ring of Honor for sure. Um, I'm kind of on the fence right now. If he's going to, uh, his number is going to be retired. I'm, I'm not going to say that I'd be against it, 
but I, uh, I'm not against it. I'm not against anything we'll see. like that. We'll see what happens. I though. just like, there's no there's no um, there's no um, undercutting his performance with the Canadians and his loyalty to the Canadians. And uh, you know this isn't the last time we're going to hear from this player about this player. You know he's a guy that um, you know I grew up watching, and you know I wish him all the best in his retirement. I wish that it would have. Uh, I, I wish he would have hit that thousand games. I really do, and I, I and that's going to be my thought. As I said, it's uh, it's unfortunate he wasn't able to do it, but it's not gonna it's not gonna affect the player that he was with the Canadians. Not at all. And I mean, I, I think everyone's kind of saddened that he didn't get his thousand games. Uh, like I said, if he didn't get hurt twice. Uh, yeah, he definitely would have got there. He definitely you know, would have got you, it. When you play 20, um, 20 games over two seasons. But, I mean, I don't think the thousand games and the way he left the Montreal Canadiens, I don't think the fans are looking at him on that. I think they're looking at Mark Bergevin and uh, the Absolutely. way it was handled. Now, I have a, a, an opinion on that that kind of goes both ways. I look at it that... Uh, Markov, the the rumor the rumor has it, and we're never going to know the actual real truth about it. But the rumor has it, Markov. Well, this this part is a rumor. Wanted a multi year deal, at least two years, and he wanted around five million dollars. I'll say between four and five and a half, because so we'll say five on average. Uh, Bergevin uh, offered him a one year contract that was uh, performance laden bonuses. So it was a one-year contract at so much lower, lower money, but he would have made around his five million if he reached certain plateaus. Yeah, plateaus. Yeah, which for a thirty-eight-year-old, which he was thirty-eight going on thirty-nine, is not. Now I'm going to play kind of both sides here. It's not. It's not a. a, a for, as a GM, that's not a, a bad move. Like he's like, all right, you're thirty-nine. You have two bad knees. You only played, you missed 20 games in our final season due to injuries, right? Uh, mind you, your point totals were still there. Uh, so if you can meet those these point totals, you'll, you'll get your money. Apparently Markov, who represented himself, didn't have an agent, which I think was a huge mistake. Um, he didn't like that. And in an interview that they did in Russia with him and his wife, was pretty much Montreal gave him that con that that contract and said this is what we want you to sign take it or leave it to me now people say Bergevin his ego got in the way and he was too personal I don't think Bergevin was personal enough with a player like Markov I think he was too business like I think he treated it purely as a business and he didn't take into consideration who Markov was to the team and to the fan base of Montreal I don't think it was an ego I don't think it was an ego thing I think it was just a Listen, it was it was from a business standpoint. It was from yeah. a business standpoint. Yeah, and and that's the way I look at it. I think if Bergevin should have looked at Markov as who he was to the team and to the fans, and do kind of what he did with Kovalchuk this year, kind of said, "Listen, I will trade you to Washington, even though I probably could get a second round pick from this other team for you. I'll take a yeah. third from them, so you can go to where you want to go." but take us into consideration if we want to bring it back. Yeah. And maybe he learned from the Markov experience doing that with Kovalchuk. 
maybe not. Maybe he, maybe Bergeron just didn't like Markham. I don't know, right? But uh, I, I don't look at Markov like. I think Markov's stance was also kind of this is what I want. I think he was willing to agree to a one year deal, but I think he wanted guaranteed money. Yeah, and uh, I don't think Montreal was willing to do that. And I think the Montreal side of it, it was they were too business like. It was too. This is the way it is. This is a business. Take it or leave it. And I don't think that sat well with Markov, and that's why you have he left for the KHL. Yeah. I mean, he would have got his thousand games if he came back and played. And and then when he did try to come back last year, Bergman actually came right out and said, "I have no interest in bringing him back." I, I personally. I would have brought him back for his ten games at league minimum. Personally, that's what I would have done. But whatever, did a did a if, can if, if he would have accepted that, of course. Yes, if he would have accepted that, but that's what I would have just because that's me and Markov was one of my favorite players. And but uh, uh, yeah, so I think there's a little bit of fault on both sides there. I think Markov A should have got an agent, and B I think Markov took it very personal. But I think it yeah, was absolutely because Montreal. Montreal was so businesslike. It yeah. was so we don't care who you are, what you've done. This is it. Which is which both sides were wrong, I think. I think they were both wrong in things they done. So that that's that. That's my opinion on. That's my rant on that. Yeah. So, but uh I I I I'm sad and he's not getting his 1000 games. I don't see his number being retired. Ring of Honor for sure. Even bring him back as an ambassador or Hey, maybe he could be a coach. We could use a good defensive coach. Yeah, or um, even somebody that could be in there with the, uh, not necessarily like a skills coach, but like a player development guy. Yeah, yeah, with uh, old Frankie with, Bouillon. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, another thing I want to bring up about Andre Markov is the the amount of defensemen that he made look better playing with him. Yeah. Uh, if if we go back over the years, and I think Eric Ingles is actually doing an article about it. I just read on Twitter he's going to bring something up. But if you go over the years, you have guys like uh, Mike Komisarek. He yep. turned into a million-dollar player when he went to yep. Toronto. Yep. And once he left Markov's side, he was terrible. <laughs> yeah, he was. Uh, uh, you have uh, Alexi Emelin looked yep. better with Markov. Um, Sheldon Surrey. Uh, many defensemen that he... P.K. Subban. <laughs> I had to throw that out there. <laughs> You're not wrong, though. It's true. Uh, P.K. Subban was allowed to play the way he played because of Andre Markov. Because he knew he had someone in the defensive zone that's going to cover his ass. Yeah. And then once Markov was gone, once Subban stopped playing with Markov, now, mind you, he went to Nashville and played with Alexi Emelin. Because, yeah. um, again, he had someone who was going to stay back there and cover his ass, although Emelin wasn't, is no Markov. Um, but, and he, he was a true quarterback for the power play. And that's someone Montreal hasn't had since Markov's oh. been gone. That's right. So, which will segue into my next statement. Alexei Romanov did not sign with his, uh, uh, Russian team, which was no secret. Um, and it looks like the door is now open for him to sign with Montreal and come over to play with Montreal. What are your thoughts on that? Matthew. So we're moving on from the general and we're going to, they're calling him the destroyer now. <laughs> so at least we're getting another ru- a cool Russian player, another another cool Russian name. Um, you know, we've brought R- uh, Romanov up multiple times. Uh, we were there when he was drafted. 
He was ranked 115th in European prospects uh, during the draft in Dallas. And uh, he was sitting, you know, he was sitting, you know, a dozen people over from us. And he was just this little frail-looking Russian kid. Yeah. And, uh, I got my picture with him. And I know you've got a picture with him. And um, they knew right away when they went to the draft that they were picking this guy. And you read some of these articles and you uh, you listen to some of these uh, interviews with Trevor Timmons. And they knew what they were getting when they uh, when they picked this guy. And right now, this uh, 19-year-old Russian kid is widely considered to be one of the best defensemen and best young defensemen, I'll say, outside the NHL right now. So it's just a matter of time that we're going to see him suited up for the Canadians. Um, when he was playing with CSKA Moscow, he did have that diminished role um, from last season into this season, and it's because the team knew that he was going to, you know, he was going to pack up. He was going to go to North America, and he wanted to join the NHL and play in the best league in, you know, especially for a team that um, believes in him. Because for a player that wasn't on the radar for many, many teams, for you to go, what, was it 38th overall or something? 36th or 38th like overall, whatever uh, it was. That was, you see here, looking it up, he was drafted, I don't know, I can't. Okay. Oh, 38th overall, yeah. 38th overall. So for, for a team to take a guy that's ranked 115th overall, you're in the European, uh, in the European standings. 38th overall when there was a lot of players that we were looking at that were well ahead of him in our books. Yeah. You know, they, they, they took a, they took a, a jump and it's really paid off. And uh, Trevor Timmons said um, about him that, and we saw this at the juniors. We saw him on the bench. We saw his energy. We saw his, uh, his passion for the game. We saw how he was with his teammates. We saw the hits. We saw, you know, uh, the defensive side, we saw the offensive side. Um, Trevor Simmons said uh, he's an energy. He's such an energetic guy. He's always smiling. His personality is a lot like Brendan Gallagher. He's always smiling. He's full of energy and he's fun to be around. So we're hoping for the best for him and rooting for him. And hopefully he can have a solid career and help our hockey team get to the next level. So this isn't a guy that, you know, they're just going to bury in the AHL. Like, this is a guy that he's going to come to training camp. He's going to get his games in, and then he's going to get the coaching staff's going to get a nice look at him. But I have a hard time believing this guy isn't going to be at least a five-six guy in Montreal starting next year. Well, Bergman had said this year that he thinks he's going to go straight to the NHL when he comes over. He thinks he's NHL ready now. Yep, and that he can play in the NHL. Um, I have no issue with him playing with Laval when he comes over. Uh, however, I do believe he's going to be a like you. I believe he's going to be a fifth, sixth guy at least to start the season uh, yep. in Montreal. Now, having said that, who's the odd man out? Because now you have a left side that has uh, Sherratt, Kulak, Mete, and uh, and Romanov. Yeah, I would say uh I would say Romanov would probably jump in there and then um I, I just don't want to see like I don't want to see him come over from Russia and make that decision and then be a guy that's um gonna circle in and out of the lineup and be in the press box. Well, I, I think 
if, if that's the case, then he, he might as well just play in the Laval. Yeah, and, and be the top, uh, be a top pairing guy. Be the top guy. Because, yeah. uh, I mean, we all know, I know in, in Russia, he, in his first year in 2018-19, he had four points in 43 games. And then he had, last year, he had seven points in 43 games. Uh, he had one goal in both years. Um, but saying that, he 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 was a... a, a he usually played third pairing in in Russia, but then again, that's that's a the KHL is, is the NHL equivalent in Russia, and he was a twenty. He's a twenty year old playing, you know, on a in a men's team league, and I think yeah. that's why they're so high on him coming over here and stepping right into the NHL. Yeah, he's never going to be um, a guy that you're going to see put up fifty, sixty points as a defenseman, but he's going to be a guy that can complement one of those type of players. He's going to be a he's going to be a guy that can uh, play solid defense, throw the body around, and make a good first pass out of his own. He's a guy that um, is going to allow um, somebody like a Jeff Petrie or you know somebody like that to be able to go up into the defense, go outside the defensive zone and jump in, but be defensively sound that he'll be able to get back as well and be and and for that. Uh, for, so if his player, if his defense partner wants to uh, fish a little bit and get out there, then they can. Well, he, uh, I mean, people, there are some fans out here who thinks he's going to play on the side. Shea Weber. I can't see it. Uh, well, I think it was, it was, a, it, was it. A mis- it was a mistake when they did it with Mate. I think okay. it would be a mistake. I think it would be a mistake to do it right now with him. And and I, I, I say the same thing. Now, some people would argue that Weber and Mate, Mete, Mete made Weber better playing with him, but I, I don't agree with that. I don't but, agree uh, with that. Um, now, having said that, now Kulak, if you look at the numbers, not so much this year, but the year before, Kulak made every player he played with a better defenseman. He did. He did. Uh, this year, it's a little bit off. He had a slow start, but he he, he really uh, turned it around the second half of the season and became a staple on Petrie's uh, left side. I don't like the Sherratt weber combination only because of the same style of defenseman just Weber has a little bit more offensive yeah uh, know-how yep. but they're they're both not very fast they're both not puck movers they're both nope. just a one-time pass guy out but they can both hit and they can both play defense very 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 well I'm very yeah they're a good don't get they're... me wrong I'm not knock Sherratt to me is a top four defenseman on the Montreal Canadiens he just is not a first line defenseman on the Montreal Canadiens yeah um, in, a, in, a not... perf- in a perfect world you've got him with Petrie Correct, and then in a perfect world, Romanov comes over, sticks with Weber, and becomes what everyone hoped he would be. But I don't think that's the right move to go. I think he should start on the fifth, sixth, on the third pairing with whoever. I mean, you can move Kulak or Mete over to the right side if you really want to. Yeah. Uh, there's also how's Mete going to be when he comes back from his injury? Is he going to be the same yeah. player? Is he going to be right. whatever? Yeah. Uh, there's a lot how's of questions. He gonna, how's he going to look at camp? How is Romanov yeah. going to look at camp? How is somebody like Exactly. Uh, Flurry gonna look at camp. Yeah, That's right. Because there's there are other guys you have to take into consideration too. You have Brook and Flurry fighting for that right side, and yep. uh, so if you got them guys fighting for the right side, there's a spot too on the bottom pairing. Flurry made the team for almost half the season last year. Nothing saying he's not gonna be, you know, high on the list to make the team yeah. again this. He'll be hungry for sure. Uh, Brook, he'll gonna be hungry because everyone thought he was gonna make the team last year, and. He really didn't look good at all in the preseason. No, he and, didn't. 
and he didn't look very well for Laval for the first little while. Then his game started to come along near the end of the season, uh, or at least after Christmas. So you have those guys, and then you have, of course, the veterans like Alsner and Ouellette and well, Ouellette's a free agent, but or an RFA. But then you have these veterans who are also going to be like because Alsner, I hate to say, didn't look too bad when he got called up and played for the Habs near the end of the season. Oh, he didn't look that. He didn't look out of place. He didn't look great, but he didn't look, and he brings NHL experience. Absolutely. Uh, personally, I don't. Th- I think he's going to be bought out. But anyway, I, I think so. I think so as well. And I and yes. if if uh, we're lucky, it's going to be a mutual contract termination. So it's not going to hurt anything. It's not going to hurt the cap for Montreal. No. That's um, what. That's what we're hoping for. That's what we hope for. But even if it doesn't, I think his uh, cap hit drops to two point something. Uh, this season going into it, I'd have to look up cap friendly to see that, but uh, yeah, but I believe his cap hit drops to uh, that if he is bought out. I can look it up while we chat, but anyway, uh, so oh, you, you, there's a lot of what ifs, what fors, whatevers, but I, I truly believe Romanov, and I agree with you, I think he's going to start at least start the season in Montreal. Um, and then we will uh, see where it goes from there. Absolutely. Uh, so other defensive news from Montreal. Well, let's. I'll go this way a little bit first. So we talked about a general, so that's the Army. We covered a destroyer, so that's Navy. <laughs> so how about we cover a former jet, <laughs> which I like is Air how Force. I did that. I like did how you like, did that. Did you like how I did that? Yeah. Uh, we're talking about a and, big, uh, we're talking about a really big fucking jet, though. <laughs> well, you know more about jets than I do, so that's uh, true. <laughs> uh, so we're, and this is another. <laughs> so we're going to talk about Bufflin. Um, his contract was bought out. Yep. He is no longer obligated to the Winnipeg Jets, and he's available. Yeah, he so, left uh, over fourteen, fifteen million dollars on the table. Yeah, that's a lot yep. of money. Yeah. So, so yeah, he's uh, he's available. Um, the only problem with him in the last two years, it's been his health. However, when he's healthy, he is one hell of a defenseman, and he's a guy that you can throw in front of the net during the power play, and and we've and he's shown that he can play that role. Um, Seventeen eighteen season, forty five points in sixty nine games. Eighteen nineteen season, thirty one points in forty two games. Like the guy is a point producer. He's got a bomb of a shot. He sticks up for his teammates. He scares the hell out of the opposition. And the guy's a leader. And for a guy that's his size, he can move. And he's a puck moving defenseman. That can... and he's a and he's a puck moving defenseman. Right. The only thing is, he's a right handed guy. We've already got two of them. However, if Montreal could get their hands on this guy, I would be very okay with it. Because a healthy, um, a healthy uh, Dustin Bufflin is a very, very good defenseman and is someone he, that is, can help your team. Is he right or left-handed? He's a right-handed shot. So they're, they're, yeah. So that would uh, give you Weber, Bufflin, and Petrie on the right side with Sherratt. They could put uh, Sherratt and him back together. They were a good pairing in Winnipeg. That's right. So then you'd have Sherratt, Kulak, Mete, and uh, and. Uh, Romanov, if he if he's there, uh, Alzner's buyout for this year's three point nine million. Okay, 
and then next year it drops to 1.9, then 833,833, then it's over. Okay. So that's, uh, but for, I think it was four, I think if they did it this year, it was like 4 million or something like that, but. Okay. But yeah, for Bufflin, I think he, he's going to, teams are going to call for sure. And there's always mm-hmm. going to be the teams that everyone knows anytime a player goes up, he's going to go to Edmonton. He's going to go to Toronto. He's going to go here or there. Um, you know, teams are going to throw money at him. And I, I, I at least hope that uh, Mark Bergman picks up the phone and contacts him. And I hope uh, Sherratt has already picked up the phone and contacted him and say, like, hey, we had a pretty good thing going in uh, in Winnipeg. Maybe we should do this again. Because they don't have that kind of, like, they don't have that kind of uh, player in their lineup. And and if you think about it, if Bufflin comes over, even if he doesn't remain healthy, you still have Brooke and Fleury as yeah. right guys that can come up. Yep. And you have Mete and Romanov and Kulak. So you have... Yep. Uh, I mean, I know Montreal tends to like doing the righties on the right and the lefties on the left, but it's not a necessity, but you have, uh, you have a little bit of depth there, um, to play on that bottom pairing because let's face it, who on that, you're not putting Weber on the bottom pairing. And I doubt with the way Petrie's been playing, he's going on the bottom pairing. Although I think Petrie's game would be better, um, Actually, Petrie seems to play better when he gets more minutes. But anyway, uh, yeah. uh, so Bufflin is going to be that third-pairing guy, which would put Sherrod on that third pairing, which m- might put Romanov on a second pairing with Petrie. Although I don't know if that would be good for Romanov, but it would yeah. be definitely good for Petrie. Yeah. <clears throat> so It's it's hard it, to say how, you know, obviously we're speculating here, but if it happened that his name was brought up in rumors come uh, free agency time, and we don't even know when the hell free, free agency is going to be. Um, no, well, because you know, they're still I, I talking be, about having a okay. season in mid mid June. So yeah, I'd be very okay with them uh, bringing in a guy like that because you got Weber, and now you've got Dustin Bufflin protecting Carey Price. Not very many people are going to run that goalie, along with Sherratt. Yeah, Sherratt's a big boy that doesn't exactly. do absolutely. Back down. Yeah. yeah. So so there you go. That's uh, I I agree with that. I wouldn't mind them at least taking a look at Bufflin. Um, whether Bufflin wants to come to Montreal or not, it's a whole different story. But yeah, I think he's gonna personally. I think he's gonna stay out west, more the smash and bang style uh, Western Conference. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna show, I'm gonna throw it out there, and uh, I think that I think that um, Edmonton's gonna take a really good look at him. And they need they need defensive help. So yeah, that's it'll be interesting. Well, look at so, that. Yeah. So it'll Matt, be interesting. We'll see. Week after week, Matt with his hot takes. <laughs> so moving on from uh, Bufflin, um sticking with the uh, defensive uh, topic of this show, Marco Scandella signed yes. a four-year contract extension with the St. Louis Blues, which means the Canadians traded a fourth-round pick to get Scandella. They received a second for him. And a conditional fourth. That condition's now been met. So they get a 2021 fourth round pick. So that's very good asset management. Very good asset management from Bergevin. A guy that played 20 games for the Canadians, and you're walking away with a second and a fourth. And all you gave up to him was a fourth. So you basically gave up nothing because you got a fourth back. Absolutely. So 
I mean, a little bit higher in the, in, yeah. a little bit lower in the drafting, but still, you still get your fourth pick back, and, yeah. uh, which gives the Canadians a, a uh, um, thirteen picks, I believe, in the uh, this year's yeah. draft. Whenever, yeah. when, yeah. wherever 14, that's going to happen. Fourteen this year, and I think they get eleven next year. Uh huh. Interesting. Which will give them. Well, I mean, geez, they've been. Yeah, say one thing about Bergevin. He said he was going to build the team through the draft and from the picks he's been getting um, every year because he's been drafting over ten players per year in the past three seasons. Yeah, he's um, getting a lot of he's getting a lot of shots at the dartboard. This for damn yeah, sure. Yeah. So it's just a matter of hitting the dartboard at the right spot. Absolutely. Um, but that's a topic for another time. Um, so yeah, so 2020 he has 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 14 picks. Yeah. So, but I believe the uh, fourth round pick that they get from, uh, for St. Louis, from St. Louis is Winnipeg's old pick for the Paul Statsny uh, trade. So I think it's their, I think it's their own actually. I think it's their own. No, I'm looking at it right now. They got uh, St. Louis. The pick is St. Louis got in the Paul Statsny deal. Okay. So it's a it's actually Winnipeg's pick that went through uh, uh, St. Louis, and they got St. Louis's second pick. The second round pick is St. Louis's own. The fourth round pick is actually Winnipeg's. So I don't know if that makes much of a difference, but I don't know. Sure. Who was higher in the standings? Sure. But anyway, <laughs> it's the fourth. <laughs> it's yeah. a four. I'm waiting to see if they trade their seventh round pick to get their last year seven round pick that they traded away, because they've been doing that every year for the past three seasons. And they picked and they picked some good players in the seventh round too. Primo was one of them. Jake Evans is another one. Yeah, and they've done it with Philadelphia. So for the past yeah. three seasons, they've traded their seventh round pick to Philadelphia, only to trade back for it the very next year. Yeah, I don't know why. It's weird. Couldn't tell. It's worked so far. So, and right now, if we're talking drafting, uh, Montreal got 14 picks this year. So far, they got, or did we already mention this? Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven picks next year. And of course, they have their seven picks. Uh, and they don't have their own seventh round pick in 2020 or 2021. Interesting. But if you ask me, Ottawa's stealing the show because they're probably going to pick fifth and sixth and. There's crazy. a very good chance, yeah. Ottawa is going to be a killer team if they draft well this year in the years to come. They should be. This yeah. is a deep, this is a deep draft. Yeah. It really is. So, I'm hoping for uh, I'm hoping for good things. For Ottawa or Montreal? For Montreal. I'm yeah. hoping for good things because it is such a uh, it is such a, a deep draft. Yeah, I totally agree. So there, that's our defensive show. We've covered everything. I think we have anything else we want to talk about. I honestly, I think that's it. You know, with without without hockey really uh, being on the forefront of everyone's mind and watching all these shows on TSN Sportsnet from people's homes, which is different. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I'm happy that we've still been able to put shows together. It's uh, it's not always easy to do so, but nope, I, I, I but I think. But I thank everyone that's listened to this show and has listened to our shows and has followed us and um, shared our content with friends, family, etc. Um, 
as you guys know, like we're all members of the Canadian Forces. We can be called upon at any time. Like Blaine was. Like Blaine was. Um, you know, uh, unfortunately, uh, this isn't our this isn't our full time job. Um, so just bear with us and uh, continue uh, continue listening, especially if you like us. And um, we're we're looking forward to uh, bringing out some more content for you guys in the near future. Yeah, and Matt has like four million people following him, so we Absolutely. can uh, use that to to gain us. And if TSN, RDS, or anyone's listening, we can make this our full time job if you guys want to pay us some good <laughs> money to do it. Um, I have no issue with that. Just I think it takes us six months to get out, so we'll have to. Uh... <laughs> but anyway, that's our show this week. Sorry for the delay i know we didn't have a show uh over the weekend or last week and there was no toxic tuesday i know everybody misses toxic tuesday and our own show uh hopefully uh this week i will have a toxic tuesday where i'll talk about uh, something toxic so probably uh mark bergerman because that's a toxic thing to talk about um <laughs> and uh we'll be back again next week uh blaine uh, who's gone blaine pot fan he's uh he recorded a little thing before he left that we're going to on here at the after the commercials and uh then that'll be it we'll close up the show and that'll be that thanks for joining me matt and uh thanks everyone for listening and and we'll talk to you all again next week ciao take it easy are you in the market for quality sticks and equipment you can afford There is a no-frills, no-nonsense company that wants to provide that to you, No Name Hockey. No Name Hockey is a small Canadian company started by former pro player Jason Goulet. When he retired, he searched for sticks that felt like when he was a pro but could never find the right one or one that was reasonably priced. So he decided to start No Name Hockey. Now No Name offers high-quality, customized sticks at a fair price. They won't try to wow you with a fancy name. They will focus on providing you a pro stock quality stick that you can afford. The cost of sticks has gone through the roof due to sponsorships and licensing fees. No Name Hockey makes sticks for the no names and players currently making a name. Hello, Habs Unfiltered listeners. This is Blaine Pudvang talking to you from his last night in quarantine. Tomorrow, I will no longer be alone in a hotel room in a quarantine zone. Instead, I will be on a ship at sea with 200 other people in a quarantine zone. It's a, it's a, it's a step out. I, I can go outside get some fresh air at the very least so things are improving uh hopefully the numbers flatten out the curve and we can all get back to normal um this episode of Habs Unfiltered uh I don't know if my my cohorts have mentioned it or not but I'm gonna go ahead and say it Uh, I'm gonna pass my deepest condolences on to uh Colby Cave's wife and his family and his friends, uh, a 25-year-old professional athlete, a young man, newly wed, with his entire life ahead of him, dying from a brain bleed is a tragic, tragic situation, and it's not something that anyone ever wants to see. 
And judging by the reaction from his teammates and his friends, uh, I didn't know the man, so I'm only going by that. Um, he seemed to be one of those types of people that if you met him, you loved him. So again, my deepest, deepest condolences to his wife, his family, his friends, his teammates, uh, his fans. Uh, the hockey community lost a good young man, and it, it's just it's just a shame. On a lighter note, the uh, the Canadians are going to have a busy off season. Um, I'm not 100% sure what was covered on this week's episode as uh, Treg and Matt are pretty much doing their own thing now that I'm, I'm, I'm out of the loop. Let's put it that way. I'm busy with, with the deployment, and the boys are busy doing their thing. So um, the show is in their hands. Uh, I'm not sure what they covered, but I'm going to just talk about Bergeron for a quick second. Um, before I leave this hotel... I have just released one of my my latest article with uh, the hockey writers, and it talks a little bit about what's needed for the Canadians. Uh, I know Treg and Matt covered, I believe, this topic last week, and they covered all the bases as well. The, the Canadians need a goalie to help carry Price. Uh, Kincaid was definitely not it. Um, it doesn't seem Lindgren's going to be their man either. Uh, they're going to need defense, because let's be honest, 23rd ranked defense in the NHL, that is unacceptable. Uh, all Everything's pointing to Romanov coming to Montreal, signing his ELC probably uh, on May 1st, once he's able to sign. Uh, his Russian agent was talking about it, Trevor Timmons was talking about it. it. It's kind of a poorly kept secret at this point. So you add Romanov. Awesome. You can't rely on a rookie. You just can't rely on a rookie defenseman to improve your defense. He is going to help, but he can't be that piece that fixes everything. Um, I'm expecting Bergevin to do something such as a trade to get himself a veteran puck-moving defenseman. So there's rumors about who could come or who's available. Uh, I think Lindell is a is a player to keep an eye on from Dallas, as Dallas needs some scoring. Another one is uh, Shane Gottesbear out of Philadelphia. There's been talk about him with Montreal in the past, and he's the type of defenseman that they're they're looking for, someone who can quarterback a power play. Uh, he had a difficult year, so the value may not be as high as it as it could be, or as it should be. So that's another name to keep an eye on. You get. Romanov, you get a, a, a solid veteran puck-moving defenseman. Suddenly, that left side looks a lot better. You, you add Sherratt, and you have Mete and Kulak as spares that you can use for trades for in that specific trade and something else. Whatever's needed. This is the summer that Bergevin is going to have to make two, three, maybe even four moves to really solidify this team. So I'm excited to see what's going to happen. Um, hopefully we get to see something uh, televised soon, you know, like maybe a draft lottery or uh, they come to grips with 
everything's going on and they don't have a season or they come up with some kind of March Madness style thing where they can play uh, some semblance of a playoff in empty arenas. Hopefully they come up with this soon. Um, It would be fun to see something, just to see some progress. Anyway, uh, that's my my quick little rant, my coverage. Um, I want to thank all the well-wishers that, uh, that have come on to uh, social media and wished me well, wished me good luck. Um, I appreciate that. Uh, keep supporting, uh, supporting the, uh, the podcast. Uh, keep supporting myself, Treg, Matt. Um, we, we really appreciate you guys listening, you guys interacting with us. So until I come back, have yourselves a great self, self-imposed quarantine. I mean, that's the best I can do, guys. Has, have I been day drinking? Maybe. Maybe I have. That's a rumor. That uh, was probably true. Anyway, um, have yourselves a good, a good spring as best as you can make it. Uh, take care of each other, check in on your friends, check in on your neighbors, and uh, help flatten the curve. Go Habs Go! And now, for a public service announcement from Habs Unfiltered. Hi, I'm Blaine Padme, one of the hosts of Habs Unfiltered. I'm in quarantine right now, so I would like you all to repeat after me. Stay the fuck home. We can beat this thing, but we need to listen to the experts. Go Habs go! And that concludes another episode of Habs Unfiltered. We would like to thank all our listeners, old and new, for joining us. We hope you were informed and entertained. And always remember, if you are talking about it, so are we. Did, Will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network.
I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.